if you have ever thought about putting together escorted groups for your travel business, you're going to love today's episode. In today's episode, I sat down with Chanel Varner from Moonglade Travel, and we talked all about her three different types of escorted groups. We talked about how she organizes her groups, how she calculates all of the numbers behind her groups, how she promotes her groups, some joint venture collaborations, how she attracts like-minded people to her groups, and how lucrative it is for her travel business. I know you're going to love this episode. If groups is on your mind and if escorted groups are something you're curious about, jump straight in. If you're looking to grow a wildly profitable travel business that brings you joy, you'll need a consistent stream of new clients because living client to client is like living paycheck to paycheck. I'm your host, Sandra McLemore, wife, mother, travel TV host, and very successful business owner. But my story didn't start out that way. You see, I had just quit my job in corporate America with no backup plan and no new job. I thought that an entrepreneur was a rich person with a new idea, and I certainly wasn't rich. Little did I know, I was about to take $40 out of my pocket, plant it with some coffee and confidence, and grow it into a seven-figure business. In this podcast, I'll share with you every single problem and solution that has crossed my desk. You'll learn tactics and strategies that you can implement into your business today. I'm about to help you start and scale the travel business of your dreams. Welcome to the Travel Marketing and Media Podcast. So on today's podcast episode, I promised you that I would find you travel advisors that have done something. We're not talking about done huge things, but they've done something that all of you at home are like, how did they do that? How did he or she get there? And before we, I don't like to have huge conversations with my guests before we jump on and record because the nuggets come flying and we haven't even hit record. But Chanel and I just had a little bit of a chat and she was like, I haven't figured it all out. And I said, you don't need to have figured it out because today we're going to talk about what you did figure out because a ton of listeners, thousands of listeners are trying to figure out what Chanel has already figured out. So that being said, I'm so excited and I don't know if she knows this, but she's actually my first guest ever on my podcast. No pressure, Chanel, but I'm going to be talking today to Chanel Varner. She's from Moonglade Travel and she's based in North Carolina, I am so excited because low-key, I have been stalking Chanel for a long time. We'd never met and never spoken until today, but I've been watching her in a very non-creepy way, and I had a look at her business, and I have been watching her on social media, and I've just really seen growth, and I thought, you know what? That growth that Chanel has had, I know that my listeners and our community out there really want to understand how she got from the bottom of the hill to part way up the hill. And she might not have it all figured out in her business, but she's definitely got a lot figured out and I know she can share it. So before we jump in, I do want to share with you a little bit about Moonglade Travel and then we'll talk to Chanel herself. So directly from her website, she says Moonglade Travel is a luxury boutique travel company specializing in custom travel planning. We are passionate about creating experiences that foster to learning, connection, and self-development. Our specialties include all-inclusive Caribbean vacations, romantic getaways, and our world-class women's wellness journeys. I about fell off my chair when I read this because I felt like I went from knowing nothing about her business to knowing everything about her business. And 
a shout, like a special kudos to Chanel for being able to clarify exactly who Moonglade Travel is and who they can help because um, it's just super clear. I think if I was looking for a travel advisor and I found this on a website, I would know immediately if I was in the right place or not. So on this particular episode, she has done a, so much stuff, but I really want to focus on one little one area of her business, not little at all, but one area of her business, and that is her escorted trips for her three special areas that I just listed out. So those, um, if you didn't catch them, they were Caribbean vacations, romantic getaways, and their world-class women's wellness journeys. And I want to talk about these escorted group trips or group trips, even if they're not escorted, because I think that it's the goal, hashtag travel advisor goal, to be able to have groups because they fulfill a couple of needs. Number one, they allow you to generate more revenue than an individual or a couple. And number two, they allow you to smash some goals. Like she's got serious goals there in her core message. And number three, they allow you to travel if you're escorting and who doesn't like to travel. So in this episode, we're going to talk mostly about why Chanel started doing organized groups, what made her focus on groups, how she put together her first itinerary, how she markets and fills the groups and any other details that she wants to share. So Chanel, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you, Sandra. It is a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. Don't even be nervous because we're all we're doing today is talking about the genius stuff that you have already done. So before we jump into the first question, go ahead and tell us and share with our audience, how long have you been into the travel industry and how did you arrive in it? Like what made you want to jump in? Absolutely. So we just celebrated six years in business last uh, last month, actually. So that was super exciting. <laughs> Yay! We actually started, I don't know, it sounds cliche, but I love to travel, obviously. And before we got started, I would always have friends and family ask, you know, hey, can you help me plan a trip here? Can you help me plan a trip here? And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe it's an opportunity to turn, you know, passion into business opportunity. So we kind of married the two. Um, But it really started for me. I went on a trip to Africa several years ago. And when I tell you it was, I mean, transformational. And it really sparked something in me because I I wanted people to have that same experience that I had. I had friends that had never left their hometown or never been on an airplane. And I was like, oh, no, I've got to get people in the world. There's so many things to see and experience. So I guess the combination of those things combined is is how we started. What did you do before you were in travel? Did you have some amazing corporate job? Did you what what did you do before that? Yeah, corporate job working in program management and a various like nonprofits and government entities. So it's very different as far as travel, but some of the same skill sets as far as organization and coordinating a variety of programs and, you know, all that core stuff and tedious stuff that we do as travel advisors. So, yeah. And are you full time in your travel business now or are you still in the corporate world? Nope. Uh, officially one year full time. <gasps> That's like, I feel like that's a more serious anniversary than the day we started our businesses. Like it's the moment that we finally just decided to lift our wings and move. And is your husband involved in your business? Whose husband isn't though, I guess, like by, by force or by, by will, whose husband isn't, but how, how is he involved? Exactly. So he's unofficially my director of operations and my photographer, professional photographer. <laughs> 
he's still in training after six years, but he does a great job. Um, I think he enjoys more of the perks and benefits than more of the behind the scenes. Um, but he's a, a, a great support in the business. I feel you on that. My husband is my unofficial photographer, yep. my unofficial videographer. He's his self-appointed director of creative. <laughs> and he's also my carry my suitcases, help me with my admin, quick set up my studio. He's all the things. But like yep. your husband, he enjoys the perks and benefits that come with a wife in the travel industry. Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Well, let's jump into our first question today. So your marketing I'm going to have to tell everybody, it's extremely beautiful. It's very engaging, but most importantly, it's crystal clear. And you say in your about section that your specialties include all-inclusive Caribbean vacations, romantic getaways, and world-class women's wellness journeys. At what stage did you have that moment where you're like, these three? Like, was it something that you always knew in travel, those three, or could you not decide, like, how did you arrive at that space where you said, that's what we're, that's what I'm going to niche in? It probably happened about uh, year one, year one. When I first started in 2016, I did all the things, <laughs> which is, I wouldn't advise anyone to do and quickly learned that that is not the, the best method. So I really just kind of took inventory. Those are three of my favorite things. I love the Caribbean. I enjoy a nice all-inclusive. I love traveling with my husband and I love wellness combined with travel. Um, and then just the sisterhood that it creates when we go on our women's wellness journeys. So that's where I kind of honed in and created my focus on these are our areas of specialty because that's what's important to me. I know the benefits of them. And I'm really good at coordinating <laughs> those types of experiences. Yes, ma'am. And like with the specialty, have you sort of declared like, I will only do these three things. So if somebody comes to you with like, hey, girl, I want to go Disney to Fort Lauderdale. Do you do things that are not part of your, your niche or how does that work? Are you like niche 100%? Definitely niche 100%. I don't touch domestic. I don't touch Disney. Bless you. You want to do my Spirit Airlines flight from LA to Atlanta? Absolutely. <laughs> don't touch it. And it's funny, <laughs> I had a couple of inquiries come in over the weekend, and it's quickly like, you know, yes, no, yes, no. Um, but yeah, I'm very clear about what our areas of specialty are. And I'm happy to say, hey, we're not a good fit, but here goes some resources or information to kind of get you started in planning that trip or maybe refer them to another travel advisor that's in that, that niche. How did that work, though? Because like, I, I'm sure the listeners are thinking at home, I would love to only say yes to what I want and to say no to everyone else. But in the beginning, when you're starting out, people got bills to pay. There's bills to pay, there's mouths to feed. And so was it something that you stayed in your full-time job and then didn't leave until you were profitable, which then allowed you to say no? Or how, how did that work? Yeah, definitely. Same thing. When I first started again, I would take any Disney, Miami, you name it, I did it cruises, I'm going to touch cruises now, but it was a process because like we said, when you're just getting started, you wanted all the things. I wanted to be everything to everybody, but I quickly got burnt out. Mm. I didn't enjoy some of the trips that I was planning and they weren't lucrative. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. So I, I guess for our listeners, if you're in the same situation where you really just want to be like Chanel and just stick to your niche, then there's obviously a decision and a commitment to that that has to come. But balancing out your responsibilities. Um, I noticed that you're currently marketing a group, you're marketing three group trips right now. So one is a trip to Las Cabos, which 
so crazy because I literally have shown it to my husband and been like, we should go with them. We have just come back from Los Cabos. We don't need to be in Los Cabos right now. We are too busy to go to Los Cabos. But because you market it so well, I feel like I need to go. <laughs> um, but I noticed you're marketing this trip to Los Cabos. Then you have two other women's wellness trips this year. Tell me about what led you to do group trips as opposed to just marketing and waiting for the inquiries to come in and booking the individuals, the couples or the groups. What what made you say, hey, I'm going to do group trips? Mm -hmm. So it started out with just the women's wellness journeys. And those were just exclusive trips for women. We would go away to a beautiful destination and truly just unplug and pour into ourselves. Because as you know, we're we're in multiple hats, we're everything to everybody. And it's not too often that we take a moment to just kind of hit the pause button and, and refuel. So I wanted to create these experiences for women because I know how important that is. Um, so it started out, that's what it started out as, is our women's experiences. But then me and my husband travel together all the time. We know the benefits that traveling together has had on our relationship. Mm-hmm. So why not do a, a couple's trip? So this looks a lot different from our women's wellness. And it's our very first, you know, group trip outside of our traditional women's experiences. So I'm super excited. Wow. And are you still booking individuals and you're still booking families and groups that come through that are in alignment with your niche, but these groups are in addition? Correct. Correct. Okay. And are the groups all escorted? Are you on all of these trips? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I'm jealous because that means you this year, you go on a Cabo this year, hubby gets to go and you've got definitely two women's groups. Um, tell me about, was there any fear in setting up that first group? Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to put it out there and it's just going to be me. Oh, absolutely. It still is. <laughs> no. Every time. So just a, a little history. When we started doing women's wellness journeys, this was probably in 20. Oh man, 2018. And our very first one was to Bali and it was lavish. Oh, we were spending nine days um, hopping all over Bali, beautiful itinerary. And then I believe the volcano erupted. So we had to cancel. So we were taking off. I'll tell you when that was. It was 2017 because we were take, we were in Bali when it uh, on the day that it erupted, leaving up from our honeymoon. Mm. So yes, I remember we took we got the last flight out of the country before all flights were grounded. Uh, grounded. So I, I feel you on that. So you had this group. Yeah. So that was our very first uh, official women's wellness that we put together. But again, like I said, Bali. We had issues. We had to cancel it. So the the one after that was we did a, a small group to Jamaica in 20, I believe it was 2018. Um, and I was, I mean, th- it, putting myself out there has always been something that I, I ride on the fear fence on. Um, because, of course, you're, you're a fear of rejection, fear nobody's going to, you know, believe in what you're doing. Nobody's going to sign yeah. up, <laughs> which is always something to be fearful of. Um but we, we worked. We took a, a group of maybe eight women to Jamaica and had an amazing time. Fast um, mm. forward, we did another trip to um, Colombia the, the next year, which was great. Uh, we tried to do Bali again, but then 2020 happened, so that didn't work. I don't know why the universe doesn't want me to go to Bali, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it wants you to diversify. Right, right. I get it. I get it. And then last year, we actually, the retreat um, that we currently have, our first one for this year is going to Tulum. We actually leave on Thursday. But this was originally scheduled for last May. And Sandra, I put myself out there. We promoted the retreat heavy. Um, I had two people sign up. So I had to, I mean, I, I could have gone with, 
<laughs> the three of us. But, you know, I have a vision and I really wanted to see that through. So we decided to make a tough decision to push the date back and we're sold out. So everything oh for a reason. Okay. So let's let's talk on that because I'm really curious and I think our listeners will be too. When you first sit down and you say, we're going to do Tulum, what is the first thing? I'm guessing it's the math first, the numbers that you crunch numbers that you figure out what your cost is going to be, what your profit's going to be, what the minimum participation is. Can you walk us through from ding, 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 Tulum to putting it out there? Yeah, absolutely. So it is. It's first, okay, what do we want the retreat to look like? And that usually kind of helps us decide where we're going. So we also have Costa Rica coming up later this year. And it was but this one is the awakening soul. And when I think of Costa Rica, I think of this awakening experience. You have the rainforest, mm. you have amazing beaches. So I kind of have an idea of the theme. And that kind of helps me narrow down destination. Once I narrow down destination, I start to narrow down accommodations or resorts. Once I figure that out, it's like, okay, well, what else are we going to do? Um, what type of activities? What type of um, programming? What type of... Um, you know, add-ons that we're going to have. Um, mm. And based on that, I start to create, okay, this is the agenda. This is the cost sheet. This is what it's going to take. This is how many people we need. Um, on most of my women's wellness journeys, I have a co-host because I, I have a holistic approach to the retreat and I'm not all things. So for example, my retreat coming up in Tulum, it's a yoga and wellness focused retreat. I'm not a yoga instructor. I practice it all day, but I am not a instructor. So therefore I bring on a subject matter expert to be able to facilitate that portion of the retreat. So again, collaborating and partnering with them, what their cost is, what their role is. So there's a lot that goes into it. Wow. <laughs> you know, the, the full components and kind of once I get to that amount or, or once I get to that part, then it's like, okay, how many people do we need? What is the price point? We need to start marketing, setting the timeline. Who are our partners? Who are we going to collaborate? Where are we going to market and promote? So it's, it's a really in-depth strategy and process that goes into it. Do you have a minimum number of participants per trip? And what happens when you don't? And you kind of uh, showed us what happened with Tulum, but what happens in the chance? And we, we don't want to put it out there because we don't want it to happen every time. We're moving towards that not happening. But it's obviously one of the risks that travel advisors take on when they say, you know what, I'm going to put together a group and I'm going to fill it myself. How do you figure out where that line is of minimum participation? Yeah. Looking at total cost of the trip is like, okay. And also not just a minimum, but a max. I'm not looking for 20, 30, 40, 50 people. These are very oh. and intentional groups. So we typically cap around 15, maybe 20, depending upon where we're going. Um, so with that in mind, I usually try to look at a minimum of 10. But again, we have to price it that way. If I get eight, do we still go with eight or do we really need the two additional um, participants to meet our goal to make sure that we walk out in the green and not the red? So, yeah. And do you have um, how transparent are you about having to reach that minimum when you're selling it in the beginning? Typically right up front, when we when we're promoting the retreat on our registration page, we're saying that one you know, things may change as far as um, if we don't meet the minimum, it could potentially be canceled due to not meeting the minimum. We've talked about our max and the different variations of the dates and payment options. So we're very transparent upfront about that. 
And luckily, all of our clients have been very accommodating. The two that booked for the retreat last year were completely fine about being able to change the dates to January, which was awesome. So typically, I don't have any issue. Or I haven't, knock on wood, <laughs> any challenges when it comes to that. And I think people are, so far, I have, I've seen that clients have been pretty okay and open with that as well. Well, I, I don't think it's a mis- I don't think it's a coincidence that you haven't had any problems today because you're transparent and you're upfront. And I think that in life we're used to any kind of group experience needing a minimum participation to run. Um, let's talk about how you market and promote these trips to not only fill them, but I'm also really interested in uh, how you attract like-minded people like-minded travelers so how do you promote and market and how do you attract like-minded people and the reason i am interested in the like-minded the marketing part obviously i'm interested in that but the like-minded people i went um on our first group trip in january 12 months ago and i have said no to every group trip ever that my friends have organized because i had a fear of summer camp circa 1990 where i got picked on and i did never wanted to go back and i don't want to be stuck with these people and i've always said no so i went on this first anthony and i went to a 50th birthday and it was in los cabos and um I was nervous. What if I don't like these people? What if they impede on my experience? What if they're just, what if they talk too much? What if they drink too much? What if they are not aware of themselves or others? And that was a huge fear for me. Now, thankfully, six out of the eight people who were there didn't bother me. And the two people that did bother me bothered everybody. And they kind of went off and did their own thing. But it really got me thinking when I was looking at your group trips, that there is a huge responsibility that you have. You're not responsible for people's behavior, but you're definitely responsible for attracting like-minded, compatible travelers. So we'll break it out. Let's do the marketing in general first. Let's talk about that. Yes. And that's something that I'm still working on and evolving, but Thing. Um, currently, it has been, or even in the past, it has been, obviously, to our current um, clients. We promote this to our current clients or through our email newsletter that goes out once a month and then also on our social media platforms. But what I found to also work is where are the people that I want to, to where are the people that I want on this retreat? Where are they at? So if I'm hosting a retreat that's centered around wellness and yoga, I want to a yoga studio. My people are there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So really targeting or promoting to the audience of where they're at. Um, Here in Charlotte, there's a a local magazine that's called, I think it's called Natural Awakening. And all they do is talk about health and wellness and um, exercise and all of that stuff, being able to promote there. I know that this, my audience, my target audience, they're reading this paper, they're in there. So to Mm. be able to put advertisements or write articles or blog posts for that audience in that platform so that has helped um and then like visiting local yoga studios or fitness centers is something that we're going to start to do more of going forward oh that's good and i would imagine in the marketing of your actual trip that you've got somewhere this is for you if bullet point bullet point bullet point this is not for you if bullet point bullet point bullet point um i love the idea of looking fishing where your fish are Mm-hmm. Um, how did you start those conversations with those places? Is it paid advertising to start with, or is it a joint venture or a collaboration? And how did you even kind of 
reach like I did a coaching call this morning and one of the questions from one of our members was I can't even get the right person on the phone so tell us about that and that was a challenge, especially thinking back to when we had our Bali retreat. You know, I'm, I'm emailing, I'm calling to, to local yoga studios and same thing, it's, it's crickets. <laughs> wow. It's crickets. So what I found is to, one, do collaboration. So now I have my yoga instructor. She works at a yoga studio. So she already has access to that population or that target audience. So those mm-hmm. collaborations help, but also joining in on that community or getting in front of that community. So for example, the yoga wellness and fitness community here, they host a variety of festivals. They host a variety of meetup and networking groups. So attend those, introduce myself, share what I have going on. So it's more so just kind of educating people on who I am and what I'm doing and not necessarily saying, hey, can you promote this for me? Or hey, can you share this upcoming retreat? Kind of building relationships. I think this is huge and I want to stay on this for a minute because I feel like that some tra- a lot of travel advisors are transactional when it comes to this part of it because you've gone from doing your numbers, figuring out your math, designing your itineraries, um, picking your suppliers, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I feel like then the next step is I've got to sell this and they almost go into a panic of transactional stress where they're like, well, I've got to get X number of transactions and they forget about creating those relationships and actual relationships not like hey go hey kind of situation because people read right through that so maybe for me I'm, I'm just thinking out loud maybe it comes if people can smell the desperation they can smell the fear they can smell the sale coming that they're more likely to back off can you dig a little deeper for us and tell us what did that like give us an example of a time where you've created a relationship from scratch. Like, did you pick up the phone? Did you show up to an event? What did you say? Like um, maybe like the magazine, for example, the health and wellness magazine in your local area, because that would be something I think a lot of travel advisors are like, yes, I can identify the groups, the people and the places, but I don't know how to show up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, for example, and I think you're totally right when you talk about transactional. And I was, I was the transactional reaching out really? to the video saying, hey, I have this upcoming retreat. I think your, you know, customers would be interested. Would you mind sharing it? And they're like, absolutely not. I don't know who you are. I'm not going to promote this thing. I can't, you know, I can't stand behind it. Um, so what, how I switched my approach is more so sharing information. These are the benefits of wellness travel. This is what a wellness focused retreat looks like. This is what to expect. This is who it's for. Oh, you're interested. It sounds like you. Well, I have a retreat coming up in August that I think you might be a good fit for. I think your audience may be a good fit for. So that's kind of what's helped me is just really information sharing and educating. Honestly, a lot of folks just just don't know what they don't know. So being able to educate people on what the experience looks like or what they can expect, I think start there. How did you, with the yoga instructor, were you already taking classes at that studio or did you just like pop up and be like, oh, you, you look good. How did you start that conversation and how far into your relationship with that person did you say, hey, actually, there's a, there's an opportunity here? Um, it's actually my sister-in-law. So unfortunately, not unfortunately, fortunately, and unfortunately. <laughs> 
already know her. We have a relationship and we we've had the synergy of, you know, we're both interested in wellness. We both interested in travel. So that relationship kind of was already formed and that was her expertise. This is my expertise. So we married the two, mm. which was a but actually that's a really good point that you raised. Yeah. And I think maybe a couple of listeners are going to be like, well, that's not helpful. That was her sister-in-law, but actually it is helpful because it was Chanel's sister-in-law. It meant that there was a genuine authentic relationship that was not transactional there already. So if the person that you as a listener are wanting to work with is not your sister-in-law, you've got to get the relationship to that point where it is authentic and it is genuine, that you can just call up and, you know, that you can go and meet them for coffee, go down and take a yoga lesson. Uh, I would imagine like I do, uh, I've never done yoga because I feel like it's way outside my skill set, but I do reformer Pilates. And so I would imagine that if I wanted to partner with the woman that owns my studio, she owns three studios in LA, Taking a class is the very first genuine step because how are you going to just bust into somebody's office or email, mostly inbox, because I think a lot of travel advisors think they can do that from home in their pajamas, fastest way to get to the transaction. But actually, you've just made me realize, well, if I was wanting to work with my Pilates instructor taking a class, showing up in person, showing up at the next opening of her next studio to cheer her on, sending her a card saying, hey, I just noticed that you opened at Newhall Ranch. Congrats. As a fellow business owner, I know that that must have been hella hard. All the genuine things, genuine coming from a place of the heart that you can do to establish a good relationship is going to make it easier. Because tell me, like you've done that, you've had luck, not well, luck is prepared and timing together but you've had success with the magazine as well so did you have a relationship there did you have to cold call how did that one work yeah that was just reaching out to the publication department and saying hey can I just write a piece on wellness travel or women's wellness travel not can I promote my trip right Correct. So again, sharing information and at the end, maybe, hey, you know, Moogly Travel offers these women's experiences. If you're interested in learning more, check out the website. So something that literally a sentence at the bottom. Absolutely. The rest of it was sharing of expertise. And so did they let you write a piece for the magazine? Is that what happened? And you went into the magazine? Look how smart you are. Okay. Um, I love this. And I think the takeaway for our listeners right now, if you're out walking and you can't take a note, remember that these are all genuine relationships, authentic relationships, because you cannot be transactional in your approach to groups. Um, We talked about the elements that you include in your trips. Now let's talk about the suppliers. How did you figure out which suppliers to use? Was it driven by your host agency or consortia? Was it just somewhere that you've stayed before or did you go on the hunt looking to match a supplier? A, a combination. I would say typically it's just kind of going on a hunt. If I don't, if I haven't been to the destination and I'm not super familiar with a specific resort, then it's kind of researching. If I'm looking for a wellness focused resort, someone who's offering a variety of services or programs that um, accompany what the focus of the retreat is. So kind of once I narrow that down, it's either reaching out to the resort directly or with the couples in Cabo, it's an all-inclusive resort. So I typically mm. will reach out to a supplier in that regard to formulate yeah. a group. Um, so it looks a little bit different from our wellness retreats, but doing the research, doing the digging, or maybe it's been a property that I've been at before and 
um, definitely stand by. So I'm like, yes, this is going to be, this is it. I know they have great views. They have great amenities. This is exactly where we want to host it. And that's where we're going to be. And you then, once you've decided on that it's the right supplier, you then go to work on contract and pricing and commission and those kinds of things. How did you learn to do that? Trial and error. (laughs) (laughs) Best teacher in the world she is. Error especially. Definitely trial and error. But no, so reaching out, once we get everything, once I get the numbers, I'm a numbers person. So like right now for Costa Rica, you know, we've, we've gotten the resort information, all the, the numbers tallied up. We've gotten the transportation, all of our add-ons that we're going to add. And now I have a total um, bottom line of what is it going to cost to host this retreat? Plus any, you know, the cost of, you know, my services, the cost of my yoga services, all of those um, things go into that pot of bottom line. And then I figure it out. How many people do we need? How many people do we want? And here's how I price the retreat. Good. Do you know what percentage of your revenue is generated from your groups as opposed to the rest of your clients? Like, is it like a 20% is your groups or 80% is your groups? I don't know the exact number, but I will so well, I will say that groups are definitely more lucrative than my individuals. However, since we haven't had many recently, my yeah. individual clients have definitely succeeded, uh, exceeded our um, revenue on that side of things. But groups definitely have way more potential. My goal is for a year. I'd love to do one a quarter. Um, right now we have three for 2023. I think I'll be fine. That's pretty good. That's 75% to your goal. That's pretty good. If you could choose between doing groups and individuals or just groups, what would you prefer? Oh, I love my individual clients. I do. Um, I would I would say my groups. Um, I would definitely say my groups just because with them being escorted i'm on i'm on the retreats i'm in it i'm able to um, interact one-on-one with my clients that are on the retreat Mm -hmm. i'm able to have and share in those experiences with them so it's a little more personal to me than planning a you know a honeymoon those are great i love those experiences as well yeah you can't go on people's honeymoons that's creepy um i'd imagine though that they kind of go hand in hand though because when you have individuals they become part of your email they're your warm leads for your group and the same thing when you have groups and people join that group, they can become individual clients. So I'd imagine that you'd never really need to choose that they both fuel each other. Can you tell us, um, share with us, how do you encourage people who are signed up to bring others? Do you actually create, um, do you create content that they can share? Do you write out an email? Do you just give them a link or do you just tell them word of mouth? Like how do you encourage people? Because obviously the easiest way to fill a group is by people inviting people, but it's only easy if your people know how to share that. So what have you been doing or what would you like to do there? Especially for our women's retreats, they, you know, we promote them as obviously double occupancy and we say, you know, bring your bestie. I mean, I have mother and daughters coming. I have sisters coming. I have best friends coming. I have clients that are solo and really kind of want to just dabble in the solo travel, but don't feel completely comfortable of completely traveling solo. So this is a great opportunity to join one of the retreats. But when we promote it as double occupancy, Either you're going to bring a friend and you know who your roommate is or you're going <laughs> to mystery roommate. Yeah. 
is what's yep. going to happen. Um, so in actually last year, I wanted to say we offered a promo. Like if you registered, you may get a percentage or a dollar amount off of the second registration fee just to promote or encourage for, you, for folks to bring a friend. Um, but it's been fairly successful. I would say the retreat, we actually leave for Tulum on Thursday. And that one, there's only one person that's truly coming solo. Everyone else is paired with um, bringing someone else. Wow. So would you say then that for, with the exception of that one person, you had half of the group and they brought someone else, which doubled the group? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now that's smart, girl. <laughs> and those people might turn out to be individual clients of yours as well. Actually, I can't imagine them not becoming individual clients, especially because you're traveling with them. Um, what advice do you have for the travel advisor who is desperate to do a group, an escorted group, and doesn't really know where to start or maybe fear is holding them back? Yeah, I would say find out what your your specialty is. I think what what makes it, I dare not say easy, but easier for me is, again, this is something that I'm passionate about. I'm not hosting a bird watching retreat. I know nothing about bird watching. This is something I, I, I know the benefits of travel and wellness, and it's very intentional about the experiences that I create, which makes me pour more into it. So it makes it easier for me. I'll say easy, easier for me. So I would say find your specialty or your niche and what you want the group to look like. Um, Planning planning and timing. If you're looking to host a retreat in October, you're late. (laughs) January is not the time. Oh, yeah. Tell us about this. Yeah, January is not the time to get started. And I learned that, again, lesson learned last year. Woke up in January, was full of energy and said, let's host a retreat in May and literally put it out maybe February 1st, which I think was not enough time. It wasn't enough time to allow us to promote. It wasn't enough time to allow us to plan and fill up those spots, which is why we ended up pushing the retreat date back. So I would definitely say- What is the perfect amount of time? I would say at least 10 months. Mm. Yeah, I would definitely say 10 months because, again, there's a, it takes time to identify the destination, identify the resort, put all the components together. That's just one phase. Then yeah. it's the phase of marketing. Then it's a whole other phase of, you know, filling these last minute spots. And then you jump into the, the trip management services. I'm still in communication with the clients that are attending the retreat. Like it's a whole process and there's so many steps along the way. And you want to be able to allow yourself time. This is not the only thing we're doing. Some of us, <laughs> I'm not just yeah. all um, Right, right. So is it 10 months, including the planning or 10 months of marketing? I would say including the planning. Okay. What was, what's the ideal duration of marketing a trip of like 15 to 20 participants? I would say six months, six to eight months, because again, depending upon the price point and who you're targeting, you want to allow, sometimes allow people payment options. I think that was one of the things that attracted a lot of our clients is you can pay a deposit and then you can pay on it. But if, you know, if, if you're hosting a retreat in October, most suppliers, you have to have paid off about 60 days prior. So you're yeah. looking at August. So if you start now, I mean, you're only giving people a few a few months to actually pay on and plan for, mm. their, for the group trip. So. How do you feel about having 
trips on your calendar for 2024 already. We're in January 2023. Knowing that payment plans, payment flexibility is one of the biggest drivers um, because the biggest challenges is being able to afford the trip or feeling like you can afford it. Knowing that payment plans is the solution, how comfortable are you having trips that far out? Or would you recommend not having trips that far out for travel advisors? We're actually looking at um, early 2024 for getting some trips on the calendar. I tried to squeeze one more in at the end of this year, but I think I've got enough on my plate. So we're going to push that over to early of next year. Um, I probably wouldn't look at anything after summer for next year. People get excited. You want to kind of keep the momentum. And if I have to wait a whole year and a half, you may start to lose some folks. Um, that yeah. Yeah, I think also there's a benefit of having more than one trip available on your website, even if it's just the date and you're not open for bookings, but having that choice between is it this trip or that trip, not can I go or not. I agree. And that's where it's kind of worked for us, too. You know, once we sold out of the May retreat, I mean, of the January retreat, we've been saying, hey, if you miss this one, the next one is in August and we already have probably over 20 people who have expressed interest and I haven't even opened registration yet for Costa Rica. So building momentum and then having an alternative. Well, if you can't get this one, here's the next one or two or three, um, even if it's just getting interest. And that's another thing, Sandra, I'll mention. That I wish we have done um, before we promoted this last retreat is building that excitement and that interest before we actually announce registration to say, hey, Coming on, you know, March 1st, we're going to open registration for this retreat. So giving some teasers and some spoilers to get people excited and interested. And then once you actually re release it or announce it, you already have a list of folks who have said, yes, this is something that I want so that you're not just going to the world of people who may or may not be interested. Yeah, I think that's a huge lesson that you learned. It's definitely one that I've learned in my business. Like when we open membership or we open one of our courses or something like that, we never just open it. Our promotion starts at least two months out before you can even sign up for anything, probably to the annoyance of a bunch of people. But we're really just talking about it. Like we talked about our conference in San Juan this April. We've been talking about it since since, I don't know, like two years ago, well, the pandemic didn't help, but we've been talking about it for three months now, next year, April, next year, April, next year, April, because there is an element of budgeting required. There's an element of managing your your, pay, your PTO from work if you have a job or who's going to watch the kids, you know? So I definitely love that that's a lesson that you've learned. I wonder if you start to, not if, when you start to have 30, 40 people requesting to come on these women's wellness trips. Trips, do you think that you would ever make your group size bigger or would you like to maintain it and perhaps do like a back-to-back -back where, you know, you have one group of clients fly in and then you stay for the second group? Or do you see yourself changing your product to accommodate more business? Because you're just going to keep getting bigger. Yes, <laughs> I receive that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it to you. Receive it. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. It's really something about the smaller group of intimate experience. I can't see 30, 40. Um, but I do love the idea of having back-to-back. -back. So we still get the same experience. We still get the, the same beautiful destination, but we're still keeping the small and intimate group experience together. So we would probably do something like that when we get to that <laughs> yes, ma'am, because it's on its way. And I definitely encourage for anyone listening who wants to look at the smaller group, but thinks, gosh, that might not be as lucrative as I want it to be, to consider that if you feel like 60 is a great number or 100 is a great number, then go ahead 
ahead and do yourself five back-to-backs or four back-to-backs and stay in location. In fact, it probably reduces a lot of your costs, but start with two, start with one and then add your second. Um, I have loved every nugget that you have dropped today. Tell me um, before we wrap, what are your goals for your business? I know you want to have four trips, but are there, do you have destination goals? Do you have themed trip goals? Do you foresee having 40 couples that make it their annual, I'm always going with Moonglade. I'm always going with, with these folks. What, what are your goals in your business? Yeah, definitely my retreat. I want to have at least one a quarter is, is definitely a goal for this year. But also just a personal well, personal and business goal is just the exposure, you know, being, being more exposed in my local community as the subject matter expert when it comes to travel. And I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like. But putting myself out there is one of the goals that I think will, one, help on the professional side, but then also on the business side to grow and be known as that go-to person when you're thinking about any of our areas of specialty. So I would say those two, I think we're pretty steady with the individual trips, yeah. but focusing on our group trips and then growing our team is one of the goals for this year. Oh, nice. What about destinations? I need to get back to, I was just in Europe last year, but we're looking to expand our women's wellness journeys back to Europe. So I'm looking at Portugal and Spain next year. So Love good. to this year, but um, definitely next year. That's amazing. Um, I want travel advisors to check out your website, but I'm going to make a rule before I let anybody know what your website is. And this is the rule. If you would like to see what Chanel has done, I'm going to let her give you the website in a minute, but here's the rule. Do not sign up for her lead magnet. Do not follow her on social media. And I will tell you why. I don't want Chanel to end up with an email list full of travel advisors and to then start questioning her open rates and her click rates because you all wanted to see what her lead magnet is. If you have a question for Chanel, ask her directly. Don't go snooping, but go check out her website. Have a look at it to inspire you in your travel business, but please don't sign up for her lead magnet. Please do not follow her on social media and just know that if it was you listening that I had on my podcast as a guest, I would want the same for you. I want her email list to be full of the tip people that she wants to work with and that want to do her trips. If you legit want to go on one of her women's wellness trips, then go ahead and sign up and drop her an email and say, hey, I'm, you might notice to me a travel advisor on your list. It's because I actually want to come or my husband and I do want to come on one of your trips, but please be kind and go check it out and leave. Chanel, what is is your website. Yes, absolutely. It is moonglade-travel.com. So that's www.moonglade-travel.com. And just go by, look, and leave. <laughs> Chanel's never going to say that to you, but I think it's really important that is uh, in the travel industry that we support each other without messing with each other's analytics. So go ahead and have a look at her site. And um, thank you so much for sharing. I know that there are people who listened today that are like, okay, I want to do this, but I need to do it the right way. And you definitely have done it the right way. And I'm not going to lie. Don't be surprised if you get a Mr. and Mrs. Macklemore A&S traveling on your manifest. We do not. Maybe you could be a good friend and tell me, Sandra, you do not need to be coming to Cabo. I know this coming out next one. But who knows? It's only two hours flight away. So maybe we will. Thank you, my friend, for coming on here. I would love to have you back on another day to talk about how you smashed your next goal. 
yeah. and why you've got bigger ones than that as you grow your business bring on teams do more trips inspire more people but i just want to say a sincere thank you on behalf of the entire travel advisor community for sharing today thank you sandra it's been a pleasure i appreciate the opportunity podcast episode resonated with you and you'd like to hear more, head over to travelmarketingandmedia.com slash podcast to get notified about new episodes and also listen to any that you may have missed. And if you'd like to ask a question about this episode, you can send it there for me to answer on a live Q&A. We'll see you in the next episode.